Welcome in to the Irish NFL Show. It's Thursday Night Football. We are live tonight for a big Thursday night matchup. We have got the Giants going up against the Washington football team. Delighted to be live. Welcome in to everybody watching from around Ireland, uh, UK, Europe, and of course the rest of the world. Welcome in to all of the lads here as well. Delighted to bring you in, lads. We've got a special guest to kick us off. Uh, we've got a New York Giants beat writer since 1983, a Giants host and reporter who covers the Giants on multiple media services, including Giants got call, Giants.com. He's got a busy evening ahead of him, so we'll just start it off. Paul Dottino, uh, a very, very warm welcome live, Paul, to the Irish NFL show on what is Thursday Night Football. How are you? Great to see you guys. I appreciate the ability to be on your first program. I, I guess that's a very big honor, and I hope you guys enjoy the game tonight. First uh, Thursday Night Football of the season, and it's, it's, it's an honor to have you on, Paul. Paul, you were speaking off camera of your Italian heritage, but have you any heritage in Ireland? Have you ever uh, have you ever been to Ireland before, Paul? No, no, I have not. In fact, uh, you know, the only overseas trip I made was with the Giants when they played the L.A. Rams over in London. As you will know, uh, some years ago, they played at Tottingham. And uh, that's that's the only time I've ever been across the pond, as they say. Well, you'd certainly have a, a warm welcome awaits, uh, Paul, if you if you do make it over to this side of the Atlantic again. Be that to see the Giants if they're playing in London or just to, to visit the, the Emerald Isle. But we are here to, to look ahead to the Giants-Washington game. But I suppose you can't look forward without looking back. And Giants didn't get off to the best start against the Broncos. I think the, the fifth year in the row now that the Giants have lost that opening game. But with the second game now being against a, a divisional rival, and uh, Brian had said that he would be happy, you know, one and one. But with it being against a divisional rival, how important is it that the, the Giants get a victory in this game to, uh, tonight? Well, I think it's of huge significance for both teams. To be honest with you, I think both Washington and New York feel like they basically laid an egg in the first week of the season. I thought Washington played very poorly against the Chargers. In fact, through the first three quarters, I don't think their vaunted defensive line played very well, only to start grabbing some energy in the fourth quarter of that game. I think they were probably very embarrassed by it. And I think that they will be coming out with fire tonight. And I feel the Giants feel the same way. Their defense did not play to their potential uh, in their game against the Broncos that they lost. And I feel like they're going to be very angry and want to put something on tape that they are more accustomed to. Uh, I, I also feel that the Giants offensively were not nearly as good as they should be on paper. Uh, now, the other hand, Washington lost Ryan Fitzpatrick, their starting quarterback in the first game. And so Taylor Heineke is going to be forced to be at the controls tonight. I don't necessarily know that, that that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, considering it's only his third NFL start, he's kind of an unknown. I know he has been with five different NFL organizations during his career and also spent a short time in the XFL. Um, so I think, you know, the jury's kind of still out on him. But I think that on paper, on paper, if both teams play to their potential, the Giants have a more complete and better balanced roster. So they should feel like they have an edge in this game. They have beaten Washington five straight and in seven of their last nine matchups. Paul, you touched on the Giants' offense there. Last season, a lot of fans felt that Jason Garrett was limited with the, the playbook because Saquon went down in week two. 
Slayton didn't really have a very good second year in comparison to the first year. And there's a few players that were mixed and matched throughout the season. So coming into this season with the playmakers brought in, which was touched on in the end of season press conference with John Murray, Galladay, Gatarius uh, Tony, albeit he's had a difficult training camp. It, it, it looked very similar on Sunday. There wasn't a lot to it. You know, it looked like last season. Are we, are we struggling because of the injuries or is it a case that we're back to where we were last year? They really did look out of sync on offense and on defense. I thought special teams was the only one of the three units where the Giants played up to their potential, quite frankly. And I think you have a couple of factors here. One, you guys are probably familiar that, you know, over the last 10 years, the collective bargaining agreement with the players union has watered down training camp significantly. And then they cut the preseason to only three games this year. I think if you looked around the NFL, remember there are 32 teams and 16 of them lost last weekend. How do you think the Falcons feel getting whacked by the Philadelphia Eagles? How do you think the Colts feel with the egg that they laid? You know, um, I think to be frank with you, I think there are a lot of teams around the NFL who feel as though, you know what, they weren't in sync, they had bad first weeks and they want to be more like themselves and put some good stuff on tape in week two. So I think that's part of it. I really do. And I think if if Joe Judge were to do it again, and we certainly it's too soon to ask him, I think he would probably play more of his starters, more snaps during the preseason. He kept telling us that the two weeks of scrimmages with Cleveland and New England at those practice sessions would kind of help serve as – a pseudo for the fourth preseason game. Well, it didn't look like it to me last Sunday, fellas. It just did not look like they were in sync at all. And I, I really attribute it to them not having a lot of chemistry and not playing enough together during the exhibition season. I'm sorry, but that's how I stand on it. And I'd like to believe that a lot of coaches around the league probably feel the same way, and they might do it differently next summer. Paul, you, you mentioned about the Italian background you have. Look, you take the Italian flag, you swap out the red, you put in the orange, you got the Irish flag. And so just a little bit of chopping and changing sends you in a different place. There's a bit of chopping and changing going on on the Giants' offensive line, which in fairness was been a big focus during the offseason. There were a couple of late uh, you know um, changes and um, acquisitions. And even tonight now, I believe Billy Price is going to start centre. They've activated Matt Skura from the practice squad as well. So some of those, you know, late, late additions after even the third preseason game are now starting to make the 53-man roster. Now, they didn't seem to have a bad game last year, uh, last week, even though you're starting the ghost of Nate Solder still at tackle. But um, they only gave up two sacks and two hits on Daniel Jones, which was an improvement, obviously, on performance last year. How, during the whole preseason, especially, obviously, in week one, against people like Von Miller... How do you feel the offensive line performed overall? And do you think it's going to hold them back or you're going to see a big bounce back? Because let's face it, they're going to have some fun with Chase Young tonight. Well, I think let's first of all start with the pass protection, which everybody thought was going to be a huge problem. You just alluded to the fact that Daniel Jones was only hit twice last week despite throwing 37 passes. I mean, that's a really good ratio. He had time, approximately two and a half seconds average to releasing the ball. You'll sign up for that every Sunday. So I thought the pass protection was better than expected. 
but the run blocking was not very good at all. And that is why they've decided to make this change. Now, to be fair, okay, Nick Gates, in my opinion, has always been best suited to play guard. But when they converted him to center last year out of necessity, he came along very well. And I think he's got a terrific future as a center if they want to keep him there. But I do think guard is his best position. So they're making that switch tonight. And they will put Billy Price in there, who only got here about, what, two and a half, three weeks ago in a trade from the Bengals, a former first-round pick from Ohio State, who, when he came out of school, was the best center in the college draft that year. But since he got to the NFL, his career has been littered with injuries, and he absolutely flamed out in Cincinnati to the point where they finally got rid of him. So now he's healthy. We will see what he can do for the Giants as they try to improve their run blocking. Because let's face it, Coach Judge understands this, and so does Jason Garrett. You've got to be able to run the ball. If you're going to have Daniel Jones throw the ball 40 to 45 times every single Sunday, the Giants are not going to have a winning record. I promise you that. That is a very, very bad recipe. So they're trying it now sooner rather than later to see if they can get a better run-blocking offensive line on the field. That's why they've made this change tonight. Skura will be the backup to Price at center. Now, I will say this. It's a little risky. In fact, it's more than a little risky because the Giants had two practices this week, and they were walkthroughs. They had shells on Tuesday. It wasn't a real full practice. And then, of course, another walkthrough yesterday before they took the train to Washington. So they have not actually hit and had a real full practice with this newly configured offensive line. So this is a risk tonight against Washington. If it pays off, the coach will look very smart. If it doesn't pay off, everybody will wonder why he didn't wait until after the game and give himself 10 days until they face the Falcons in a week and a half. It's really interesting, the game against the Falcons as well in 10 days. Paul, looking at Washington, with Fitzpatrick at a quarterback, do you think the game plan changes much for the Giants, or is it still very much the same because they've got a service, they've got a serviceable backup there as well in in Heineke? Gentlemen, you bring up a real sore spot as far as I'm concerned in looking at these games this past Sunday. The Giants, if you've read some of the analytic services, but I didn't need to read them to see it, they had the sixth most effective pass rush in the NFL during Week One. They were constantly beating the Denver offensive line. They were in the backfield all day long, and they couldn't hit Bridgewater. He kept escaping. I thought Teddy Bridgewater played the best game of his career. He threw pinpoint, razor-sharp passes. He escaped the pocket. He was able to run around and make throws on the run, extending plays to the level that I've never seen him do in his career. He was phenomenal. But that's not to knock the Giant pass rush. Leonard Williams had six pressures in the game. The Giants had six quarterback hits and two sacks. That's not terrible. No, they actually got in there an awful lot. The problem was they could not finish. So what they've got to do tonight, if you watched Washington's game last week against the Chargers, their offensive line was very porous against the Chargers, especially Joey Bosa in particular, had a field day against them. Uh, first Fitzpatrick and then Heineke, 
they were running around like crazy. Heineke, not Fitzpatrick, Heineke was. Heineke is very mobile. He's short, he's small, he's athletic, he's quick, and he's slippery. And he's not afraid to throw one of those chest pass shovels. He's not afraid to throw on the run. He looks at his first receiver a lot. He tries to get rid of the ball immediately to his primary receiver. If he doesn't see that, he usually takes the ball down, tucks it away, and runs with it, which is why he's been in five different organizations, okay? That's why he hasn't been a starter his whole career because, you know, you want guys who are at a higher level and can make second and third reads and hold the ball longer and make a big play downfield. That's not what Heineke is. The problem for the Giants is that if they continue to pressure and penetrate against Washington like they did against Denver and then don't finish and get their hands on him and bring him down, he will run around. He is slippery, and he will be able to make some plays. I'm not so sure that they wouldn't be better off with the immobile Fitzpatrick back there, where as a stationary target, he'd be sitting there like a telephone pole and they could tee off on him. That's not the case with Heineke. Although, again, Heineke is not an experienced veteran NFL quarterback who has an expansive resume. So the flip side to that is that could bode well for the Giants on the other side of it. Paul, yeah. I, I mean, watching Teddy, obviously, on Sunday, it was interesting because some of his plays, Patrick Mahomes had made them. He would have got an awful lot of that. Uh, he was great. Yeah, he, you know, he, he really played unbelievably. But looking at the Giants' QB situation and in terms of Daniel Jones, now what was interesting was I read a piece um, just earlier today that talked about that Jason Garrett used pre-snap motion on 17 um uh, snaps last uh, week uh, and I'm just you know that for a guy who it didn't feature really at all last year is there a concerted effort to try to to make life a, a little bit easier for for Danny Dimes and has has he learned from the the fumble again la last uh, weekend are we going to see you know uh, Daniel Jones you know really actually learn this time two-part answer here let me take the first one first. In terms of what the Giants need to do offensively to help out Daniel Jones, well, they need to be able to run the ball. I told you, they can't throw the ball 40 times a game and expect to win. That's not the way they're built. That's not the way he's built, okay? Um, so first things first, they're making this move with the offensive line thinking they will have a more powerful running game. That's the first thing. Because one of the things they want to be able to do with Daniel Jones is to keep a defense honest so that, A, he can take some deep shots because you guys, I'm sure, are aware of the stat that's been quoted around here in New York a lot. Last year, he was the most effective, efficient, deep ball passer in the National Football League. Well, to get him to do that, you've got to slow down the pass rush. How do you slow down the pass rush if you don't have a bunch of superstars on your offensive line? Well, you've got to be able to establish the run to keep them honest. And you have to be able to use the play-action pass. That's how you do it. So that's first. I, I, motion, fine, whatever. I'm not big on a lot of pre-snap motion, to be frank with you. I think if you execute and do what you do best, you can move the ball downfield. I, I don't. 
I don't necessarily think you need as much pre-snap trickery on offense. I'm more for that on defense. I love disguising and pre-snap trickery on defense. Not so much on offense. I come from the old Vince Lombardi school. You guys know who Vince Lombardi is, I'm sure. Vince used to say, I don't care if they all know what's coming. We're going to execute so perfectly that they're not going to be able to stop us. And that, and that's how I feel about my offense if I'm an offensive coordinator. That's the first part of the answer. The second part of the answer in terms of, you know, uh, um, you mentioned the motion and the second part was? In terms of just the, the fumbles and, and, the fumbles. and Danny oh, not sliding. I'm so glad you brought that up. Thank you. I continue to hear the quote about Daniel Jones with 40 turnovers since he came into the league. But see, you know what's funny about people who quote that? These are the same people who will always say, well, what have you done for me lately? The propensity of Jones to turn the ball over was more so in the first half of his career. If you watch, look at the numbers, look at the interceptions. Do you know last year, going into the Dallas game, Daniel Jones had gone six games without throwing an interception and had the longest streak of any quarterback in the NFL last year without a pick until Evan Ingram deflected one up in the air and the Cowboys intercepted him. The point that I'm making is that Jones, over the second half of last year, his second year as a starter in the NFL, he dramatically reduced his turnovers, more so with the interceptions coming down than the fumbles coming down. But he did also bring those down as well. And I think we all know you want young guys to come into the league and you want them to improve every year. Well, Jones has shown that improvement in, in limiting his turnovers since the middle of last season. So why can't anybody recognize that? I don't understand. They just throw up his total, which includes the first year and a half of his career where his turnovers were horrific. It's not fair to crucify him for that. He's washed off that scarlet letter. So that's first. I add one other thing. To me, Daniel Jones made the cardinal sin of trying to do too much on that scramble the other day. Let me explain. Giants are down by 10. Second half. They're driving. They're in Denver territory. He sees room on a scramble, so he takes off. Now, what should he do? He should be smart. He should slide feet first, give himself up, take an eight-yard gain on first down, and take second and two and line up for another play deep in Denver territory, still down by 10 points. That's what he should have done. But what did Jones do? He said to himself, we're not playing really well. We really need a spark. We need a big play. I'm running. I see the chains. I'm two yards short of the first down. Maybe I can even get more yardage. I'm going to try to run and make a big play. So what did he do? He didn't slide and give himself up, which is what he should have done. He tried to go forward and make the first down. So a Bronco tackles him. A second Bronco comes in and punches the ball out, and he's got himself a fumble. If he had given himself up on a slide, which was the conservative but smart play to do, you can't fumble. Remember, a quarterback gives himself up. They immediately blow the whistle dead. And if a defensive player hits him, it's a penalty. So all he had to do 
was to get himself out of a situation where a fumble could occur was to slide feet first and live for second down and two. That's all he had to do. But he wanted to be a leader. He wanted to be aggressive. He wanted to be a spark plug. He saw the team really needed a jolt of electricity. So he tried to make a play. And that's what young people, young players will do sometimes. They will try to make a play and extend themselves and do something foolish, like put themselves in position where they shouldn't have done it. And that explains that play. Paul, Paul, you touched on the interception there week 17 with Ingram touching off his hands. We've seen Evan Ingram the last two or three years has underachieved, shall we say, since he was drafted. There was a big expectation when he came into the league. He's had injuries. He's injured again. He's out for two weeks. Where do you where do you stand on him? Because with Giants fans, there's a very mixed view. Some feel he, he should have been traded by now. Some feel he should be given another opportunity. Well, the way I look at it, I, I also have to look at it from the business side. I, and I appreciate the fans' perspective because they just see the production on the field or, for that matter, the lack of production when they see the drops, the deflections, and, and, and the missed blocks. I understand all of that. But let me ask you this. For a guy who's potentially, you figure he's a 55 to 65 catch a year tight end, right? I think that's fair to say. Would you agree? I would, but he's he's underachieved for the, for the amount of, I suppose, for the expectation in terms of him getting 40 to 50 passes. But I, th- I, think it's, I think it's realistic to think he'll catch 55 balls a year. I mean, that's kind of what he's done. You know, he's missed some games in his career, but I think that's approximately what his production's expected to be. He should the do that this season is, with, the, with the other players within the offense because he should allow yeah, him more freedom. The, well, the issue becomes he's in the fifth year of his contract and he's not making a ton of money under the salary cap. If you want a tight end who's going to give you that stat line, you're going to pay a whole lot more than what he's getting. So when you look at price or or uh, John Schmelk, who is one of the guys who works on Giants.com with me, he coined a an abbreviation called um, PPD, production per dollar. If you look at Ingram's production per dollar, it's actually very good. Now, I agree with you. He has underachieved. He Certainly, the injuries haven't helped him, but he's flat out dropped too many passes and missed too many blocks to be the guy that they drafted in the first round several years ago. There's no doubt about that. I agree with you a thousand percent. But if you look at his production per dollar, If they had got rid of him and then tried to replace him with a tight end who could produce similar stats, it would have cost them much more money than what they're paying him now. So production per dollar, Ingram was actually a good value, and it was smart of them to keep him on the roster this year. And I'm not trying to be a wise guy. That's honestly the way they have to look at it from a business perspective. And, and lastly, this isn't really that important, but Joe Judge absolutely adores the guy. He loves him. It's his favorite player. And part of the reason is he practices unbelievable. You guys should come out to practice. He doesn't drop anything at practice. I mean, I think he could catch a mosquito. He's that great at practice. He just grabs everything. In the oh, games, not so much. 
Paul, I feel like an Alan Iverson meme should be played at this point in time about practice. <laughs> look, look, a couple of the things, just to touch on a couple of things you raised. I mean, you mentioned about the O-line. I fully agree they shouldn't be making changes, especially for a road game when they haven't had proper practice as well. Seriously worrying. And on Daniel Jones, it's it's fair to say he's a lightning rod, not only for Giants fans, but for neutral fans trying to figure out, well, what's wrong with the Giants? Because you rightly mentioned he cut down on the turnovers last season, especially in the latter half but he still only threw for 11 passing touchdowns as well. So the production that obviously Giants fans want to see from that quarterback position doesn't necessarily come true. And as a neutral, I love your description of the fumble in this last game. The problem for me with Daniel Jones is we saw that in year one. We saw that in year two. And now in the first game of year three, we see the same repeatable mistakes. But look, to wrap well, up... If I, can, if I can for one second, the only sure. thing I would say there... He did something really good when he made that mistake the other day against Denver. He actually had both hands on the ball. If, if you watch the play, he had both hands on the ball, which shows he was listening and he was learning. He did have both hands true, on the true. ball. We, we just got, you know? so, we just got to teach him to slide, Paul. We've got to teach him to slide. There you go. There you before, go. Before we get to your pick, though, I just very quickly want to touch a little bit also on the other side of the ball. You said – you know, you felt the defense didn't perform last week uh, the way it should and the way people expect. But let's face it, halfway through the third quarter, we're talking about 10-7 game. We're talking about fourth and one. And the Broncos, you can say, did execute on really what was the pivotal play of that game. But the Giants' defense, they got penetration. They had a chance to make the open field tackle on the tight end. And they didn't perform. And to me, it looked like, well, almost the defense gave up and then Denver walked up and down the field on them for the rest of that game. Um, a, like, you know, what can they improve on that? And what are you looking for from them from tonight? And I'll hand it to Michael to wrap up and maybe just press you for a quick pick and prediction on the score for tonight. Well, a couple of things. First of all, um, again, the, the pass rush has to finish off those plays. You can't let a quarterback slip out of the pocket. When you surround him like a horseshoe, and you got to finish it. You know, you got to bring him down. And the pass rush was there time and time again and did not finish. So that's the first thing they've got to do. You know, it's great to get a lot of pressures, but not if the quarterback gets away and still makes the play. Then what good was the pressure? So so that's number one. Number two, I thought that the secondary did not play tight enough. I thought there were too many times where Bridgewater, because he was able to extend plays, they they – Unfortunately, and they tell you this all the time, secondary can't cover forever. I understand that. But if I'm using more press coverage and more physicality in the first five yards and not letting those guys get off the line that easily, maybe if the quarterback does get around a little bit, the, the receivers won't be necessarily where they're supposed to be. You know, throw them off their routes earlier in the route so that – when they are out there, and if he does throw a little off schedule, it's not as easy for them to get open. So I thought the Giants' secondary wasn't as physical as I expected them to be, and that would be the second part of the equation on defense that disappointed me in the game against Denver. Fair enough? Yes, sir. Sounds fair to me. <laughs> uh, just finally, Paul, Paul, it's, it's been great to have you on. Hopefully we can get you on again at some point, either during the season. Sure, fellas, no problem. Or in the offseason. I'm presuming, Paul, you're picking the Giants tonight, yeah? To win. Uh honestly, I I really don't know that I would. I I, I just 
I here's the thing. Here's what it's going to come down to. It's going to come down to which Washington's offensive line played very poorly last week too, but they were worse in pass protection. The Giants' offensive line was worse in run blocking. So which offensive line fixes their flaw tonight? That's the team that's going to win this game. And I'm telling you, given that the Giants just shuffled their offensive line today, I I can't tell you with any confidence that they're for sure going to be the team to fix it. I uh, do you know what you're, you're actually selling this game to me to watch it tonight. I'm actually really intrigued for this for, for just for this late night game. Uh, Paul, thanks a million for coming on, man. I hope you enjoyed the game, and you can follow Paul um, at Giants W Fan on Twitter. And Paul, hopefully, we'll chat to you again soon. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Fa- thank you very much. Yes, guys, please uh, try not to stay up too late after it's over. Been good talking <laughs> to you, and anytime we'll be very glad to chat again. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, thank you very much. Be well. Take care, thank you. And that was Paul Dottino from WFanGiants.com contributor. We are now delighted to be joined by Jamal Forrest. And he is from, I want to get this correct, Hogshaven, which is a Washington football club uh, fan group. Jamal, welcome to the Irish NFL show. How are you? Hey, you know what? I'm doing 10 times better now because I'm, I'm going to tell you this one thing. A lot of people who don't know me, kind of, they mess up my name on the first go round. And you said it perfectly. So I, I think, I think I? I'm in the right spot here. <laughs> Honestly, like I, I li- guys, I literally DM Jamal. They're saying, "How do I pronounce your name?" So I am delighted. It's, it's an Irish thing. Hey, Jamal, have you ever you been did to perfect, Ireland yourself? Man. Uh, no, I have not. Um, I, I, I honestly, I never thought about it. Is it? I, I, I know you guys are from there, so I would say, what's it? Out, out of a ten rating, should I, is it like a ten out of ten worth a visit? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely, yeah. You got, you got to make your way over, and we'll okay. have, we'll have a pint waiting for you. Absolutely. I know there's a football game next next year. I think Northwestern is coming out there uh, from what I remember. So, um, yeah, it's look, there's opportunities for sure. So pints and uh, beer and football, you can't you can't go wrong with it. Can't go wrong. Well, somebody who uh, does have Irish heritage is uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who uh, obviously the unfortunate injury uh, last weekend. Just interested, I suppose, in in your take uh, on that and and what that means for for Washington with with Heineke coming in um, this early in the season. Um, so it's unfortunate for for Fitzpatrick. Um, obviously, with Ron Fitzpatrick throughout the offseason, a lot of a lot of people had um they they had a lot of hope in the sense that the offense could be a little bit more explosive. Uh, over the past few years, Washington struggled offensively. Last year, they was thirtieth, thirtieth um, in the NFL statistically. Uh, point blank and it was just awful but you're not you weren't expecting a top 10 offense but you were hoping which you if you could get a formidable or consistent offense that can kind of keep the ball uh, in their hands time of possession wise but also a little chunk plays here and there um it can go well and mesh well with a top 10 defense um and for him to go down not even in not even to finish the first game you're going down in the, the the early early ways of the second quarter you know it's unfortunate for him uh, but what it means for for Washington, uh, you're getting the guy on Taylor Heineke who, and, and this is no offense to Fitzpatrick himself, but there's a lot of people who had intrigue behind Taylor Heineke. And this is all stemming back from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. So he has those eight weeks to kind of put it out there. What statement do you want to make for Washington? What statement do you want to make for the fans? What statement do you want to make for the coaches? You're in the one you're in essentially, um, if you have that opportunity to prove yourself, this is going to be it. Um, it's either put up a shutout for for Heineke himself, 
Um, so that's kind of where what's it's looking like. Um, it's unfortunate for Fitzpatrick, but a great opportunity for Heineke. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, I'm in the middle of it. Uh, I, I don't have a I don't have a lean one way or another, but it's it's definitely something I'm interested in. Jamal, can I ask you about Coach Rivera? The last couple of years off the field have been quite difficult. The change of name, I suppose, the ownership and all the things that come with that in terms of the issues. The one thing about Coach Rivera, he's brought a good stability to the team. The influence he's had on the team, we saw it in the offseason, sorry, in training camp, the fact that he, he challenged players to get get vaccinated. I suppose generally most of most fans of the team are very pleased with the head coach. Oh, absolutely. Um, a lot of people, so when when Rivera came in, it's one thing that always stood in my mind, and, and you just have to respect it point blank period. He said, as long as you do it the way that I want things to be done, the way that my coaching staff wants things to be done, we cannot blame you for messing up. It's going to be on us. But if you step outside of your realm and you do out, do whatever it is that you want to do and you're not listening to what we want to do uh, or what we're trying to do, then that's that's where lies the problem. And the whole point behind that is him trying to get everybody to buy in on the culture and what this culture means for Ron Rivera. Um, so, yes, to answer your question, point blank, there are people, uh, a lot of people, fan base, community, media, um, but also the players themselves. They're, they're buying in on what Ron Rivera is, is preaching. Uh, I think the thing with Rivera at this point now is, all right, well, you got the culture thing kind of turning around and there is a narrative that's kind of shape, shaping in, in the positive. But what are you going to do in the field? Seven and nine last year was was good enough for a division title on NFC East. Your own one to start this season. Um, you had a lot of hype coming in week one. A lot of hype. There was a lot of people very uh, excited to see what this team was going to do. This defense was supposed to be uh, quote unquote elite. That's that's the perception. But now you come in week one, get embarrassed by the Chargers at home in front of these home fans who kind of was really looking forward to seeing you guys show out in your first game. Um, and, 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 and it's not looking too good after that first week. There's a lot of doom and gloom in the community. So with that being said, Rivera does have a lot of people behind him, but you got to start translating and start turning things into W's. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick or Taylor Heineke, it has to happen. Well, Jamal, I, I was going to touch on the fact that last week, of course, that vaunted defense was playing against, you know, for me, one of the, the best young talents in the NFL. When I think of Justin Herbert, when I think of the explosiveness that charges offense. And whilst, uh, as you rightly alluded along the media writing about, look, it wasn't an amazing performance by the defense. They still held that offense to 20 points. And you are still talking about one of the most star-studded lineups, especially on that front four. Of course, Ch Chase Young and Montez Sweat, but... You know, Jonathan Allen, even with his big deal, still to me is criminally underrated, and Darren Payne, they probably form the most telling front four in the NFL. You know, following the Washington team, how much are you licking your lips at going up against turnover machine uh, Daniel Jones uh, this evening uh, with a, a stat that everyone keeps mentioning, but 40 turnovers in 28 NFL games is one and a half turnovers a game. So how do you feel that matchup will play? So... It's funny. I just sent this this uh, this text message to my friends about Daniel Jones stats against Washington. Um, so Daniel Jones is 4-0, 68% completion percentage, eight touchdowns, three interceptions, 100 uh, quarterback rating. Um, and then you have 123 rushing yards, averaging five yards per carry against the Washington football team. He's 4-0 against Washington and 4-19 and against the rest of the NFL. 4-0 against Washington. 419 against the rest of the NFL. It is frustrating looking at that number and saying, you know what? Um, Daniel Jones sucks. The Giants sucks. 
and knowing that he, you can't beat him. <laughs> you haven't beat him yet, and it's it's frustrating. Uh, but from from the grand scheme of things, when you look at it just from a game by game perspective, you understand that there's always a shot to beat the New York Giants, especially with Daniel Jones at quarterback. Uh, the the issue is is understanding that when you come against uh when you come against an opportunity like Daniel Jones, you have to take advantage of the opportunity that he gives you. He fumbled three times against Washington before. You haven't recovered any. It's just un it's just bad luck. But also not only that. You're turning the ball over on the offensive side for Washington. And these things, first off, watch on the offensive side and special teams. You're just you're shutting down against the New York Giants at the worst moments. I mean, that's kind of what hinders these guys. So when you when you're talking about Daniel Jones, it's all about capitalizing, making sure that you put him in tough situations to force his hand and make sure he's uncomfortable in the pocket. And if you're not getting those opportunities against Daniel Jones, um, especially after the outing that you had last week against the Chargers. Mm hmm. I, I don't I don't know what you have bigger problems than you can imagine if you're a Washington a Washington coach and a Washington player. So you well, I'm just taking from that, Jamal. Daniel Jones equals kryptonite for Washington at the moment. Oh Lord. Yes. Um, until until we show otherwise, yes, correct. He's the, he's the <laughs> kryptonite. Um I'm not I'm like I'm gonna give him the credit where it's due. We have not beaten him. We have not beaten the Giants when as he's the starter. So until we can knock knock that off and, and get that off our back, get that monkey off our back, then yes, uh, he is the kryptonite. No question. We, you know, if, if you look at your schedule, man, obviously a tough game to start the season last week against the Chargers. The Bills next week, I mean, this, this is a must-win game tonight, surely. And I mean that in the most positive way for both franchises, but this is a huge game, obviously a divisional game, but the prospect of playing a Bills team that, that are already playing catch-up after that Steelers game last week, it, it almost adds uh, fuel to the fire tonight going and just going into this game for Washington. Absolutely. And I'm actually glad you brought that up, the, the must-win factor, because uh, throughout the week for Washington fans in the media and stuff, the local media, the question has been, is this a must-win game for Washington? And there's been legit controversy from people who, who have opinions on this topic saying that it's not a must-win. Well, technically, you have 15 games after this, but guess what? If you go 0-2, against after you after you play the Giants and the Chargers and then like you mentioned you got the Buffalo Bills and then the Falcons but then the Saints after that uh the Chiefs on down the road the pa the Packers the Broncos on the road all these things down the road you're going to wish you beat the Giants talking about it's not a must win you're going to wish you beat the Giants and those are those opportunities that you like we talked about uh just previously when Daniel Jones when you played him in the past you had those opportunities and you fumbled them away turned the ball over you you missed those opportunities in the past and he's 4-0 now you have this opportunity to kind of right the ship or at least get off to a good start in 2021. And you're talking about it's not a must-win game. Guess what? Again, if you're if you're those people who are in that boat and you think everything is okay, wait until you go against Buffalo in Buffalo and then think, all right, well, I wish we had another chance to make another opinion on this. That's that's kind of where I'm at with it. It is a must-win game. I 100 percent agree with you. Just, I suppose, interested in, in your take as a, as a Washington fan, looking at the, the Giants, and obviously they didn't open uh, so well against the, the Broncos, but what are the, outside of Daniel Jones being the, the kryptonite, what are the aspects of their team that would concern you or equally that you think Washington can can really exploit? Okay. Um, so the, the areas that concern me is their run defense. Um, now, a lot of people understand they gave up like 160-ish yards against the Broncos on the ground. Uh, there's two there's two flaws to that number, though. One of them was that 70-yarder with Melvin Gordon at the end of the game that kind of 
put the numbers out there. But secondly, uh, Teddy Bridgewater had like 20 something yards or something like that, too. So eliminate that 70 yarder, eliminate the rush yards that uh, Bridgewater had as a scrambler. And you're looking at uh, a rush defense point blank facing the running backs where their average they they held, they gave up 3.7 yards a carry. They're not giving up that much on the ground. Uh, that that defensive line, 97 to 99, Leonard, Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, I believe. These guys are really good up front. These guys are really good up front. And that front seven in general, they have a really good linebacker, um, Martinez, I believe. And, and these guys are something that, that are formidable up front and very consistent. It's just so happened that they busted a big run at the end of the game. Your time of possession ends up getting to you. The, the Broncos are executing. They're using their tight ends to a T where they can run block really well. I'm not sure Washington has the run blockers at tight end to kind of duplicate what the Broncos did. Uh, the run game again, the run defense for the uh, for the Giants is going to be something that that kind of stands out to me. Uh, for me, offensively though, the way we can kind of exploit this defense um, again is the use of the tight ends or our slot receivers. Uh, they were kind of exposed as a zone defense last week. Um, I kind of missed what Paul. I missed the middle of what Paul was saying when I when I had joined in. So I don't know exactly the full context behind what he was talking about, but. That that defense and zone coverage kind of had some exploits. Um, you could kind of work that over the middle with Logan Thomas and also your slot receiver and Adam Humphreys or even Cam Sims, who only had two snaps last week, which was kind of crazy in itself. But you uh working them over the middle and things like that is going to actually be pretty beneficial to countering the fact that they're going to be pretty good against the run tonight. Jamal, just stepping away from the game for a moment. The NFC East last year it was the weakest division in football and you know, our season preview show, I think we all picked Washington to win the division. You know, a lot of, a lot of expectation, as you touched on, you know, leading into the season. The Cowboys this week have lost Lawrence now for two months. It can't be, I suppose, people have to recognize how good of a player he is for that defense. And yeah. for that defense, struggling last year, now to lose him, where does that leave the Cowboys long term? And the Eagles having a shocking, shocking last week. What's your expectation for the division this year? Will we see a better record come, come December when the division is over? So I think that's a really good question. Um, and, and it's a really good question, like in week two after what's been going on with the Cowboys. Uh after after the first game when when Tampa Bay and, and Dallas played, even before they played, I, I had said that I don't think people really realize how big of a factor Dak Prescott will be to the Dallas Cowboys offense this year. Um, you're talking about three receivers for the Dallas Cowboys who all nearly had a thousand yards. And Dak Prescott only played four or five games. So they were they were playing and playing really good with backup quarterbacks and still nearly had a thousand yards. And I think Zeke had close to a thousand rushing yards, too, if I'm not mistaken. So you're talking about a talented, a very talented offense who missed Dak Prescott. And what did they do when they came in week one against that Bay Buccaneers? They they were on fire in the passing game. Um, they competed. Uh, obviously, we know about the defense, the, the defensive questions that exist, and it doesn't help that they had an injury, uh, losing their losing their guy to a broken foot in practice. Um, and, and that's kind of what makes the question kind of tough now, because I thought it would have been Washington and the Dallas and then Giants competing like Giants would be a close second, but it would be Washington and Dallas competing for the first place. Um, now, I still have Dallas competing up there because the offense isn't really that affected to a degree. Um, but if the the way Washington played in week one, you kind of gotta you kind of gotta hold your horses a little bit, man. Like I said, it's a very tough question. It's a good question to ask. 
Um, but now it's like literally up in the air again. If you if you lose this division or if the division is lost because of injuries and stuff like that throughout the NFC East, um, it'll be tough, man. And, and guess who's all the way in the back corner waiting for their opportunity? It's the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, they still have their solid defense. Um, you're you're hoping you can see something out of Jalen Hurts if you're an Eagles fan. Um, very good outing, very good debut for for Week One. Uh, and they're in that corner just waiting and and waiting to uh for somebody to mess up because they can easily sneak in there as a wild card if not division winner. Yeah, Jamal. I mean, I think I think the NFC least is definitely going to improve. I mean, you can now look at an eight and nine division winner with the seventeen game schedule rather than seven and nine. So Brian, you know, it's always positive. Um, yeah, in fact, I think the only people more surprised by the Philadelphia Eagles in week one were Philadelphia Eagles fans uh, who were probably preparing for the worst. So they are definitely around. Jamal, talking about your Washington team, though, I love actually I'm looking at your setup behind and it's like it's so cool and sleek in relation to it. But there is one picture and there is a lot of empty space at the moment. Right. And I think yes. about Washington. Like you had an amazing team, amazing three Super Bowls, obviously late 80s, early 90s, possibly one of the greatest Super Bowl teams of all time back in 91. When we think about that fantastic team uh, under Joe Gibbs at the time. Um, sorry, it wasn't under Joe Gibbs, but Joe Gibbs obviously previous to that. But obviously a long drought interspersed with little spikes like the Robert Griffin debut season, for example. Now, what do you really need? And we talked about Rivera, we've talked about the quarterback situation, we've talked about the defense, but what do you think you need to get over that hump and start filling up that wall behind you with a few more pennants for the NFC East, maybe a couple of playoff wins, and maybe, who knows, getting back to the promised land once again? Oh, man. Um, I'll, I'll start with the basic. I'll, I'll start with the very basic, and, and it really is winning. Um, and But in order to win, the the finer detail is actually getting the quarterback. Washington has had 30 quarterbacks over the past 28 years, 30 starting quarterbacks over the past 28 years, and you never settled on a quarterback. You mentioned RG3. RG3 had a great 2012 season. Um, we thought we had it. We thought we nailed it, um, and, and everybody thought we nailed it, and a lot of stories and a lot of situations happened after he hurt his knee uh, against the Baltimore Ravens midseason and, and things started to unfold. And uh, as quickly as we had it, just like that, we lost it. Um, quarterback. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that it's impossible to find one. Uh, I think the issue here is is Washington makes it impossible or makes it harder on themselves. Um, the, the owner gets in the way. The last time we had a quarterback in the first round, it was Dwayne Haskins, but guess what? The coaches didn't pick him. Uh, regardless of how you feel about the player itself, the coaches didn't pick him. It was the owner who picked him. Um, so you have an owner who's getting in the way, but it really comes down to winning and finding that quarterback. If you can find that stable quarterback, uh, for example, like think about it like this. The Browns has been inept just as long <laughs> as Washington has been. But guess what happened when things when they found Baker Mayfield? It's It all of a sudden became stable. The narrative changed. They've actually become a, a legitimate AFC contender. Respectfully, I have nothing, no disrespect for them at all. But that is a, a perfect example of a team who needed a quarterback and to find some stability. They literally did it. Uh, you don't have any negative stories coming out of Cleveland anymore. There's no more Johnny Manziel turn up stories, partying and all these things and ruining the team and, and, and just playing terribly and stuff like that. All of that drama is out of there right now. And they're all focused on wins and losses. Washington is still trying to change that narrative, and it starts with the quarterback position. If you can find that, 
you can find that talent, then you have nothing to worry about. It all comes down to building around that quarterback and winning. Big shout out to Andy Burrows from the UK, I think. Let's go, my guy, rapping or rapping the WFT. Presumably he's a Washington fan. Uh, yeah, yeah, Washington football podcast. Yes, sir. Who's your pick tonight? I, I, I shouldn't even be asking that question, but who's your pick to win tonight? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Like, the best thing about me, well, first and foremost, I'm a gambler. So, I, I, I tell people that all the time. Like, I, I do gamble. Um, So, but first and foremost, when I when I put that, that money in, I'm thinking about my money first and foremost. Like, it's not, it's not, I'm not betting with my emotions. With that being said, it also influenced me and helped me get these picks out the way. With Washington, I think we're going to win, but I think it's going to be a close game than people expect. Obviously, Washington got embarrassed um, on their home turf um, Sunday, and, and it was ugly. But you got a quick turnaround, but both teams got quick turnarounds, and both teams got embarrassed. So what do you think they're going to do? They're going to bring their strengths in. Washington's defense and New York Giants defense, both are – they're the strengths of their team. That's It's plain and simple. So what are they going to try and do? They're going to try and dominate the line of scrimmage, establish that up front, and truth be told, I think it's going to be the first team to uh, first team to twenty wins, uh, and I think Washington gets there first. I, I, that's the part. That's the part where I where I where I will have my little my little favoritism. I think Washington gets there first. It's twenty, uh, probably twenty to seventeen. Uh, it, it's that low low scoring of a game. It's going to be a defensive game. It's probably going to get annoying to people who just want to see some scoring and excitement. But it's not going to be like that tonight, in my opinion. When we uh, had a, a Washington fan coming on, I think Brian, who is a Giants fan, was a little disheartened. But then you mentioned you're a, a gambler, and you should have seen his face light up. <laughs> Brian is the, uh, in the is the gambler in our group. And uh, love you all. It's been fantastic having you on. I think it, it should Absolutely. be a, a really interesting game. And maybe we can have you back on again uh, to join us uh, later on in the season. We see how the, the Washington team are, are getting on. And uh, look, uh, continued success to, to you in your uh, podcasting and, and writing. And uh, yeah, chat to you again soon. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity. And thank you all for uh, talking to me. Um, obviously, yeah, you, we, we follow each other. So just let me know if y'all want me to get it back on. I'll be here for you all. Thank you all. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Jamal. Enjoy the game. Bye-bye. All right. Jamal Forrest from Hawkshaven. It's like an SB Nation uh, Washington football team thing. Right, lads, welcome in. We're, we're finally talking to each other for the first time here tonight. Uh, let's let, let's put some uh, chill, chill hop music on. Just oh, God. Thursday. You know, let's, let's not talk about Thursday. Football yet. We're, we're, we're going to look at the match group. Odds in a wee second. But let's look ahead to the weekend, week two of the NFL season. And after this game gets out of the way tonight. The NFC East, etc. Steelers Raiders, that's a lovely game. Heinz Field, six o'clock on Sunday. The Eagles, the 49ers, the Browns going up against the undefeated Houston Texans. Uh, and the Jacksonville Jaguars are playing the Denver Broncos. Uh, the Panthers against the Saints, the Colts against the Rams. Some really good matchups there, boys. Dolphins, Bills, Jets against the Patriots, Mark. Mm. The Bears against the Bengals, the Bucks against the Falcons. The Cardinals against the Vikings and the Seahawks against the Tennessee. That oh my god, what a game! What a game that is. Just, it's almost as if I'm seeing this for the first time. But uh, Chargers Cowboys, that's on Sky. Ravens Chiefs is Sunday night football. It's going to be hard to not stay up for that. And the Packers against the Lions kicks it. Well, finishes it all off on Monday night football. But tonight, gentlemen, we have got the Giants 
against the Washington football team. And uh, lads, it's it's going to be an interesting game, and it's it's a game where you have to argue, I guess, lads, that both teams need to win. And column, it's it's a massive game for the Giants. Yeah, well, I think it's it's probably a, a massive game for both teams. It's been discussed because the schedules that that they have, and you don't want to start off two and zero because the narrative then becomes that you know what uh, what's going what's going to happen. Um, there, we've discussed. There's a lot of different uh, and interesting angles. I think in terms of uh, how how this can can go. Um, I'm really interested to see how um, the that Washington team get on. Their defense has copped a lot of flack, and it's been interesting to me. Um, you know, everyone's been super negative, but I thought Herbert was superb at the the weekend, and it just kind of goes um, understated just just how good he is. Um, Justin Herbert at the weekend on on third down. Uh, he was 13 for of 16, 160 yards, 11 first downs, and a touchdown. I mean, that is just ridiculous. In the face of that, um, it's very difficult to, to stop him. They're not going to face a QB like that tonight. Unfortunately, just Daniel Jones is just not Justin Herbert. Very few people are uh, Justin Herbert, but still plenty to, to look forward to um, in this uh, this game this evening. But let's let's get to the real point of tonight. The money, as Shane O'Mac said, here comes the money. I, I can't put the music on for <clears> copyright <throat> reasons, but uh, we have got our partners over at Matchbook. Use your bonus code Irish NFL Show eighteen plus gamble aware in the UK and look and obviously in Ireland as well. Just just bet with what you can afford. Uh, Brian, now there's no prizes for guessing who you're supporting tonight. Going by that T-shirt, but. Uh, what's your thoughts you know with with team matchbook tonight is it is there anything that tickles your fancy because you obviously picked a number of things on monday night and the raiders it all came up fancy for you well it won't come as a surprise that i'm picking the giants and i probably will be the only one here picking the giants this evening but don't, don't give it away yet we haven't done the picks yet oh this was this was the picks um no, did speak no, to no, matchbook.com today and strangely enough well it won't be strange enough it doesn't come as a surprise 90 percent of the bets that have gone on this game are all on washington with the exception of all the money going on the Chargers, strange enough, this Sunday against the Cowboys, who are only minus three points, the Washington team are the second highest pick this week in terms of the betting front. Chargers are number one. Kind of a bit of a surprise, bearing in mind how well the Cowboys played last week. But everybody's buying into the Justin Herbert hype after Chargers going into Washington and winning last weekend. So I can see where all the money's why all the money's going there. But for this game tonight, 90% of the money that's been spent this week on matchbook.com is gone on the Washington football team. Doesn't come as a surprise, bearing in mind how disappointing the Giants were on Sunday. For me, tonight, gentlemen, it's going to jump in here. I haven't seen the odds. A pick six from the Washington defense. I, I would potentially put money on that, and we will maybe discuss that at a later point. A code Irish NFL show bet ten pound or ten euro get fifteen euro or pounds uh, available in both Northern Ireland and in the Republic of Ireland. Uh, before we make our game picks, gentlemen, can we can we maybe do like a, a very quick AOB? Any other business? Uh, I'm going to start off with the whole thing with the Saints and COVID. Uh, are we just going to ignore a pandemic now, or, or what's what's going on, Colin? I mean, what's what's the crack there? Like, well, the 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 show goes on, Michael. That's that's ne next next man up. Uh, simple simple as that. <laughs> Sean Payton, uh, I'm I'm sure uh, will will devise some some sort of of plan 
Um, but look, there's lots. I mean, you look around the, the league today, lots of um, players missing for all sorts of, of reasons. Uh, tomorrow is going to be very telling uh, to, to see, uh, you know, in terms of that injury report. Um, though I did see uh, just before we went live that the Kansas City Chiefs were uh, full, absolutely uh, everybody participating in training. So everything continues to go the way of the Chiefs. And then the odd brand before we get our picks in. Yeah, well, the Chiefs do things properly. Column that probably explains why they're all training. Um, having taken time to reflect on last weekend, we didn't discuss the Jets on Monday night. Um, they lost in Carolina. And um, Zach Wilson was sacked six times in the game. And we, we spoke about Lawrence's debut, but the sec- number two pick in, in the in the first round, his second half performance, having looked at it, they came back from from 16 nil down. Look, they didn't never going to win the game, but he looked like you could see why the justification and why the Jets picked him. And you know, it makes things make things interesting for Sunday because we're talking about teams tonight having lost their first lost their first game and could go zero and two. And the pressure that that comes with the Patriots this weekend are going into the Jets, and if they don't win. Because people are going on about Mac Jones so much, but I'm not sure he had a, the best of games last week. And I'd argue Zach Wilson had a better game. I'll be, <laughs> yeah, I believe so. So there oh, we go. Jesus Christ, Brian! I just hyping it up for some. Just hyping up for Hold on. Hyping up Sunday show on. already. <laughs> hold on. Two seconds. Now there's two elements here. The first one is if you want to see the Patriots get beat and be beside Mark Cockerell, then come on down to the Woolshed on Sunday, where <laughs> Mark will be buying everybody a free pint upon. Oh, he won't. Mark maybe? No. I I uh, was in the woolshed for a week two lost to the Jets once before the famous Brandy Moss okay. one-handed catch uh, against Darrell Revis, and then we promptly didn't turn up for the second half. So I do remember those memories. But Brian, I seriously, Mac Jones actually, I've watched every single snap, and the King is dead. Long live the King. Um, frankly, um, it was an effective offense. He put he guys so watch every single snap. Stick concepts are back. He's playing the offense the way Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick want him to play it. He was making the right throws with touch passes in various different ways, basically doing everything that Cam Newton didn't do last season. Ineffective in the red zone, which is the biggest issue, frankly, and that's obviously where Cam Newton did excel last season. But um, probably the the most impressive. It was the most impressive rookie. The weekend. I'm glad Rookie you. you mustn't, I'm glad you didn't take too much time out to listen to alternative podcasts this week because you would have heard some very different things to what what you've just said. But yeah, I, I don't. Really, has an opinion. I uh, yeah, and and I don't really care because I've seen what the Patriots try and do on offense, and he was doing what Bill Belichick and what Josh McDaniels want him to do, and it's been pretty successful after the last 21 years. So I'll stick with with their philosophy on that. Um, what else is interesting this weekend, Michael? Sky, actually, I know we gave Neil Reynolds a bit of gentle ribbing about picking the games. I mean, every single team in the NFC least will be on Sky this weekend. So mm. um, if, you know, that impresses some people, I know Brian's excited about that. But, you know, if you want a true comparison, I suppose, of all of those teams, at least you get to see it. And for me, I touched on it before. I once broke up with a girlfriend by telling her, it's not me, it's you. Uh, I was just trying to be really blunt about the matter. Um, and week two for me, it's all about, is it me or is it you? Like, were the week one performances by the Eagles, for example, just catching the Falcons on the lucky day? Was the ineptitude of the Vikings or the Bears offensive line just because they were up against a more dynamic pass rush or do they truly have problems? What 
are the adjustments the teams are going to make and what is the outlier from week one we talk about the jags last season we talk about lots of outliers from week one every season but in week two we start to see repeatable patterns and yeah you got a great point there's a lot of teams unexpected that might go zero and two and even in the 17 game season you start looking over your shoulder and going guys this this wasn't the way this was meant to go and this isn't what we want to happen so let's see how it all pans out i'm really disappointed because a minute and a half ago about two minutes ago trying to waste time here i was trying to upload the video of colin saying so actually do you know what i, I can do it here hold on so it's just in regards to what your mac jones thing was and you were saying about mac jones and that he's like that the king is dead this is what i have to say about that like what are you talking about <laughs> so talk <laughs> yeah i'm usually the one making outlandish comments but the, between Brian saying that Mac Jones, like Wilson, had a better game, but then then Mark tops it with the King is. I mean, forget we're not we're not there yet, Mark. I mean, it was yes, I thought he was impressive, but my goodness, like it's like whenever Moisey brings in Yana's eye, Colin. Oh, <laughs> it was uh, that was that that was yeah, interesting. But we do okay. have a game this evening. We do have a game this evening, gentlemen. Let's bring on. The picks, it's time, gentlemen, to, to look at the picks. The Giants, who are 0-1, 40-something interceptions from Daniel Jones. The last time Daniel Jones played on Thursday Night Football, he ran for 80 yards and fell in his hole going up against the Washington football team column. Michael, your Michael, the last time he played on Thursday night, that he, he drove them down the field 80 yards for a touchdown, you mean? He That's what happened on the next play. Colin, who have you got? Um, I, I think it will be a, a close game because I, I do think that the Giants' defense will keep them in it given that the issues that um, Washington have on on offense. And I do think that um, the, the Giants' run defense is is pretty stout. And yeah, I mean, the Melvin Gordon 70-yard run kind of blew the, the stats um, the other day. But there's still no Evan Ingram, um, and Saquon is still feeling his way back. And I know Brian says that the the line was better than expected because uh, Von Miller didn't get home really the other day. But Von Miller caused them all sorts of issues. I mean, <laughs> Von Miller, like he runs up and he pushes <laughs> Nate Solder, who just falls over. I mean, it, it, like that was terrifying to me if I'm watching that. And my giant uh, 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 just falls over because Von Miller ran into him. Um, and remember that the Broncos were missing Chubb. Um, so, you know, you, uh, it was, it, all the focus was on uh, Vaughn. You also had Nate Soldier um, kind of tackling his own guy at one point. So I do have concerns about the O-line, but I do think it will be a close game because um, the, the Giants will, will make it close. Um, but I, I just think that the, uh, the Washington football team will have too much. Um, and Gibson is a really, really good uh, running back. I think he'll get them over the line. Brian, who are you going to pick tonight? Giants. Um, I look at that secondary from Washington, which was, to a certain extent, overachieving last season in comparison to the front seven. And they gave up over 300 yards. And I know you make the point that Justin Herbert is much better than, than um, Daniel Jones, but I just feel that with Galladay there now, a week in, another week on, having played last weekend, and um, potentially a breakout game from Kadarius Tony, and 
if we can get the, the if we can get that going, potentially Saquon gets gets holes. I think the Giants will win, and I do believe, agree with Colin. It'll be a very close game, a very low scoring game, and I think the Giants will just about get over the line and get their first win. Okay, cool, Mark. Let's go. Who have you got? Uh, Taylor Heineke is obviously the X factor, one way or the other, in this game in terms of how he responds to Ryan Fitzpatrick. But look, last season he started in the playoff game and went toe to toe with Tom Brady and kept Washington in the game all the way through. Um, at least he stepped in last week as well. And like the Washington offense wasn't amazing last week, but it wasn't like there was a notable drop off and bad turnovers occurring. I think if I'm Washington, uh, I would feel a lot more comfortable about this if Curtis Samuel was injured and not an IR because I would have an outlet receiver with a bit more speed to maybe, you know, in drag routes or even just quick slants type, uh, keep the Giants defense honest in some places. And Jamal's stats, obviously, about Daniel Jones and uh, the Washington team have been the bunny of the Giants for the last while, do play on my mind. But... With Barkley and Golladay still coming back from injuries, I actually struggle to see any positional group where the Giants are clearly ahead of the Washington football team. And, in fact, I include quarterback in that consideration as well. So, for that reason, and yes, I think the front four are going to have a field day. I've got Washington as my pick tonight. Oof. How do I, do I bring this down to 2-2 and, and we all go home happy and, and, and healthy and... Do we just have a bit of crack, boys, or or are we? Or do, do I, look, look, look. Let's 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 not let's not cut the crop here, boys. Um, Taylor Taylor Heineke, Heineken. Um, Saquon Barkley's not fit enough. Um, I think they've got a good wide receiver core in Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay. I really like Galladay. I think Galladay's going to have a good season for the Giants. But from what I've seen with my team going up against the Giants last 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 week, they look like world beaters. Um. You know, KJ Hamler, anybody else would have caught that and took it into the end zone. Um, I think that Antonio Gibson will have a couple of a couple of rushing touchdowns tonight. And, and I think guys like Chia Shung will, will come into this. But Terry McLaurin at wide receiver will work well with Heineke. And I, I don't think it'll be close. So that, that's all I'm going to say. And I'm going to pick the Washington football team to, to, to win this game. And I feel horrible for saying that, but like, I just don't, I don't get the hype around Daniel Jones. And that's coming from a guy that's watched Drew Locke for for a year, a year and a bit. And I love everybody here. And we're going to move on from that now. But has anybody any final points to make? Brian O'Leary can be unbearably smug if the Giants win, yeah. in fairness. It, it, it will be fully entitled uh, to put us Absolutely. all in our place. I, I, I on, should have been after Sunday. picking the Raiders on Monday, and when I picked the Bengals last going I picked the Cards. So if I get this one right, sure you'll know at about quarter to five in the morning. <laughs> Brian, there's a comment from from Rizo saying, should you sit Saquon Barkley tonight in fantasy football? Yes. Why? Not because I don't think he'll have a good game, because if you're any running back going up against a Washington defense, is going to have a difficult night, any top-class uh, running back, with the exception of maybe Derek Henry on a good night, or who would you put up there? McCaffrey. C-Mac taking per pass out of the backfield yeah, as receiver. Yeah. But no, it's not because of the joint situation, more so because of, from a fantasy league point of view, Washington's defense would be very good. So, no, I wouldn't play him. Ma- Michael, I know you're not staying up for the game, but don't I worry like about it. Well, no, if you don't stay up for it, don't worry about it. You will either have a text message when you wake up at like 7 a.m. from Brian. Various or no correspondence for two days. Or nothing. Like, and you'll know what's <laughs> up. Yeah. 
or a few uh, videos. <laughs> I like Spotify videos at four or five in the morning. I'm not, I'm I'm tempted to watch it, boys. First night football only happens seventeen times a year now, so I mean. It's, it's, it's tempting. Uh, if you are watching the game tonight, I hope you enjoy the game tonight. It should be a good game, at least for the first or second quarter. And uh, yeah, I, I, I hope you all enjoy it. If anybody is uh, heading over to the Woolshed on Sunday, it's a general meetup. We'll be around the place. Come and chat to us. Um, obviously, HSE COVID restrictions apply. Uh, free entry into the Woolshed. We are in. <laughs> well, all these boys are coming up north next week. I can't wait. These boys don't realize how much how much I'm excited for this. We're gonna go on the Black Cab Tour of Belfast. I'm gonna take you to the Titanic Building, the Cathedral Quarter, and then we're 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 gonna stop in a Mackey Maze. I didn't uh, realize we were going on holidays. So it's gonna be a good crack. Uh, and yeah, lads, uh, obviously looking forward to this. We're back on Sunday at twelve o'clock. We're in the wool shed, and just to just to finish it off, Wadi says the Giants will be stuffed like a turkey. And I know Brian's reaction to that will be something more behind <laughs> this. I get on to him straight away. What are you talking about? So he's, <laughs> he's cock a hoop after his Miami Dolphins won last weekend in, in, in Foxborough, so he, he can chip away for a few more days. Hey, just going on what Mark said earlier, this is the Sky game for the weekend. Giants against the Washington, obviously. But the 49ers, Eagles, Cowboys, Chargers, Chiefs, Ravens, Lions, Packers. If you do take the time to come down and see us, on Sunday in the Woolshed, they have every game on, every game you want on. So it might be hard to find this because you might be around the place, but uh, come Mark, and say hello Mark, and, and ask Brian for some tips. Mark mentioned the fact that all NFC East teams are on this weekend. Did it ever cross your mind that the reason is you want to get them out of out of way early? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I did think it, Brian, as well. But it's, it's it's funny to see them all in a, in a given week of any one division. But at least, I mean, again. For the casual fan, you get that full picture and everything. You'll get that full picture of being able to see all the games, all the highlights in relation to it, to get the sense of where you think it's going to rank during the season. I mean, amazing to hear actually, Jamal, I was going to say about, like, oh, waiting in the corner is the Philadelphia Eagles. Go back eight days, nine days, no one was talking about the Philadelphia Eagles except for the fact of, you know, how much they might lose by. So, uh, you know, again, credit to Nick Sirianni and that team, but... To me, I still think they're going to be this year's Jacksonville Jaguars with an outlier in week one. Um, the 49ers oh, will they're, they're, going to, they're so much more. I, I said in, in the, the uh, preview show, uh, they might not win a lot, and we'll, we'll see, but they are going to be super exciting. The Eagles are not the, the Jags. They're the antithesis of the Jags in, in that respect. Jalen Hurts will make it very interesting. I, gar- I guarantee that. Wasn't it? Was it the 1972 English rugby team? We might, we might not be very good, but at least we turn up. Uh, was the the famous line said? We, we, we better go because Michael has his uh, his late night romantic CD player back on again. The music uh, is back. For, for anybody traveling down to Dublin, you have to show proof of vaccination. All right, I know we don't do that up here, and we probably should, but you have to show proof of vaccination again to the wall shed. We have no liability if you turn up, you know, obviously on Sunday with that, but. Looking forward to seeing this on Sunday. Lads, looking forward to seeing you on Sunday as well, back at 12 o'clock yeah. on Sunday. You can retweet this on Twitter, this episode, to win a copy of Madden. And to finish it off, Mark Cockerell said that Mac Jones is the second coming. Good night, gentlemen. Like, what are you talking about?